Get Sleepy is a production of Slumber Studios and is made possible thanks to the generous support of our sponsors and premium members. If you'd like to listen ad-free and access weekly bonus episodes, extra long stories, and our entire back catalogue, you can try out Premium free for seven days by following the link in the episode notes. Now, a quick word from our sponsors. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to Get Sleepy, where we listen, we relax and we get sleepy. I'm your host, Thomas. Thank you for tuning in. Tonight's story will be read by Jessica and was written by Alexandra. It takes us on a trip far across the universe to a distant galaxy. We'll join an astronaut named Cleo as she explores the surreal landscape of a faraway planet and makes an amazing discovery. Before that, I'd like to remind you that the best way to listen to the show is on our supporters feed, Get Sleepy Premium. With over 500 full-length episodes, a weekly bonus episode exclusive to premium supporters, and an entirely ad-free listening experience, Get Sleepy Premium makes a good night's rest even easier to achieve. Tomorrow's premium bonus sees us return to Scarborough, a coastal English town, where we'll have our fourth instalment from Kate and her cat Whiskers, who live in a converted windmill with views of the North Sea. It's a series that our premium supporters absolutely adore, so do join me there tomorrow if you'd like to listen too. You get a seven-day free trial when you first sign up to get Sleepy Premium, so you can make sure you're happy. Just go to getsleepy.com support or follow the link in the show notes for more information. Thanks everyone. Now then, make yourself nice and comfortable in bed, feeling the softness of the duvet covering your body and the gentle support of the pillow beneath your head. Take a deep breath in, 
filling your lungs with nourishing air. And then gently exhale, relaxing into your bed more and more. Just think how lucky you are to have this comfortable place to snuggle into each night. Take a moment to appreciate that comfort right now. And staying with that sense of gratitude and appreciation, I'd like you to briefly trace your mind back over the events of the day just gone. See if you can remember any small micro moments in which you felt a sense of joy, contentment or gratitude. Perhaps all three rolled into one. Maybe it was your morning coffee or a delicious meal. Maybe it was a passing smile with a stranger or a friendly message received from a colleague or a loved one. Maybe you're grateful for the weather that came today. Perhaps for the work you were able to do and how it made you feel a sense of accomplishment. I hope you appreciate just giving yourself that chance to remember the positive moments in your day, no matter how small. It's a good practice to help us settle down in a gentle frame of mind. And with that being said, it's time to begin our story. So I'll make way for Jessica as we join Cleo, who's just about to wake up after a long sleep and an even longer journey. Cleo is fast asleep in her cocoon-like pod on the spaceship. She's tucked up snugly under the covers, with the blanket pulled right up to her chin. The chamber is dark, but the small blue lights of the buttons on the wall create a soothing glow. And then, ever so slowly, another light begins to shine. Above Cleo's head is a golden halo-shaped lamp that becomes gradually brighter and brighter until she begins to stir. 
The spaceship has nearly arrived at its destination, so it's time for her to wake up. Cleo is the only passenger and crew member. Everything else is automated. Whenever the spaceship arrives at a new planet, Cleo likes to supervise the landing and ensure that everything goes smoothly. But there's no rush, as she knows that her spaceship is capable of doing everything itself. Cleo takes her time in bed, rubbing her eyes, stretching her arms, and slowly adjusting. After all, she was asleep for such a long time, resting deeply while the spaceship traveled for light years. It knew exactly where to go, so there was nothing for her to do until she arrived at her destination. Cleo has almost no memory of the journey, as she spent most of it fast asleep. But as she lies in her pod, relishing the warmth of the soft felt blanket, she recalls a few images. The memories are faint, like something from a dream. Perhaps she was only dreaming but she thinks she remembers waking at one point and looking through the window. She was in the middle of a nebula, a cloud of cosmic dust with swirling shapes of gold and red and luminous stars. And although she knew she was traveling at incredible speeds, in that moment it felt like everything was completely still. She was suspended in a radiant cloud in the middle of space, and nothing was moving. It felt like she herself was part of the cloud, a single floating speck, like a bubble of air in golden glass, or an ancient piece of amber. And then she went back to sleep, or perhaps the dream ended, Now she's not so sure, but whatever it was, she's glad she has this glorious memory. After getting out of her pod, Cleo does some light stretches and makes a cup of milky coffee. Then she goes to the flight deck, which is just down the narrow hall The spaceship is small and compact, and after so many journeys, Cleo feels completely at home here. For her, waking up and walking to the flight deck is like heading to the home office. Through the window, she can see her destination, a small pink planet that seems to shine in the darkness of space. As the spaceship approaches, the surface of the planet gradually becomes clearer. Cleo is excited to see formations that look like statues or trees, and in the distance, something that might be a body of water. 
she doesn't know exactly what to expect. No other astronaut has ever visited, to her knowledge, or at least no one from Cleo's planet. She'll be the first person to set foot here, on the planet with the provisional name beginning with X345, followed by a long series of numbers and letters. Cleo plans to learn its properties and map its geography. If she likes, she can even give it a new name. This is Cleo's job. Although her official title is much more formal, she thinks of herself as a space scout. She does brief preliminary visits to some of the more hospitable planets. And while she rarely encounters other forms of sentient life, she always finds something of interest. During her travels, she's walked through the ruins of ancient civilizations and climbed mountain ranges made of gemstones. She's dived into silver mirror-like pools and wandered through jungles with trees taller than skyscrapers. And now she's here, on this mysterious new planet, which lies at the far edge of the Violane galaxy. Cleo smiles as she presses the buttons and pulls the levers to complete the landing process. She can't wait to explore. Once the spaceship has landed safely, Cleo changes into her suit and helmet. She travels with a range of different suits and equipment, but for this expedition, her lightweight gear should be sufficient. This planet has a warm, almost tropical climate. Although Cleo travels alone, she won't be exploring alone. Before she leaves the spaceship, she presses a switch on the wall. The nearby alcove fills with blue light and a glowing sphere emerges. Rise and shine, says Cleo. Good morning, the blue light replies with a friendly male voice. This blue sphere is an advanced form of artificial intelligence. Just like the planet, it originally had an anonymous code-like name. But Cleo likes to give everything a personal touch. So to her, the light is male and his name is Puck. In the early days of their travels together, many years ago, Puck had a cheeky, slightly rebellious nature. He would follow Cleo's orders in unconventional ways, or even play the occasional practical joke. With his mischievous personality and ethereal appearance, he reminded her of the fairy Puck. The original Puck was a character from a story on planet Earth written tens of thousands of years ago. 
When she mentioned this, none of Cleo's colleagues back home understood the obscure literary reference. Still, Cleo can't help but smile fondly whenever she calls Puck by his name. She thinks of him as her very own fairy, the kind of companion she dreamed of when she was a child. These days, Puck is no longer quite mischievous. He's become calmer and more obedient, as though he's settled down in old age. And he's an invaluable source of help. Whenever Cleo explores a new planet, Puck is by her side offering information and guidance. Slowly and silently, the hexagonal spaceship doors open. The movement reminds Cleo of a flower blooming, the petals peeling back. Then she walks through, down the floating steps, and onto solid ground. The first thing Cleo notices is the temperature. Her thin spacesuit allows her to feel the air, and it's like stepping into a warm bath. It's humid, but not uncomfortably so. The earth is a dusty orange pink. It's a beautiful shade, thinks Cleo, like the color of a peach. Somehow it seems both natural and surreal. The landscape resembles a sprawling desert. It's mostly flat, though straight ahead the land gradually slopes upwards. There are no plants and no trees, although Cleo is keen to investigate the strange shapes she can see in the distance. From where she's standing, the planet seems to be just bare rock and empty space. Cleo loves the sparse beauty of these kinds of landscapes. She feels a sense of total freedom. And even though she's alone, she never feels lonely. The warm glow of Puck's blue light keeps her company. And even without him, she knows that she'd feel perfectly content. No matter how far she travels, or how vast the space, Cleo always has the sense that she's connected with the rest of the universe. Distance doesn't mean separation. Even here, light years away from her home planet, It's as if she's tied by some invisible, cosmic thread. Perhaps it would have felt different in the past, she thinks. But now, with advanced technology and artificial intelligence, she's happy to roam the universe as a solo traveler. And while she won't be going home for a while yet, She can contact her friends and family whenever she wants. Later today, she'll go back to the spaceship 
and activate the phone orb for a conversation with her sister. When Cleo uses the orb, it's as though the other person is sitting right there in front of her. But for now, she's completely focused on her surroundings. Cleo is fascinated by everything she sees, from the fine powdery texture of the pink earth beneath her feet to the strange sky. Cleo has seen similar skies on other planets, but this one is particularly striking. It seems to be both night and day at the same time. The sky is mostly black, with a purple tinge where it meets the horizon, and it's filled not only with thousands of glittering stars, but also a vast orange sun hanging right there at the center. Although it feels like morning to Cleo, there's no way of knowing what time it is on this planet. Maybe there's no such thing as day or night. And if no one lives here, perhaps it doesn't matter. Cleo turns to Puck, who's hovering near her shoulder, and asks for his impressions. He often notices things that escape her attention, and he can analyze the landscape in more detail. This planet is habitable, says Puck, but there don't seem to be any sentient beings here. The only thing worth investigating, as far as he can tell, is that group of trees in the distance. So they're trees after all, thinks Cleo. From here they look more like abstract sculptures or candelabras dripping with wax. But Puck says they're trees, and he's almost always right. As they cross the dusty plain, Cleo becomes aware of a faint, distant sound. It's so subtle that at first, she thinks it must be her imagination. There's something musical about it, like thousands of tiny bells ringing at the same time. Cleo stands still for a moment and closes her eyes so she can focus on the sound. Yes, it's just like tiny bells. How would she describe it? Like the bell on a kitten's collar, perhaps. Not just one, but hundreds or thousands of kittens wearing identical collars with small jangling bells. The image is so vivid that for a second, Cleo half expects to see a tide of kittens surging towards her. But when she opens her eyes, there's nothing but the pink desert and the distant trees. Although Puck can't read Cleo's mind, he's become attuned to her over the years and he tends to volunteer information at exactly the right moment. The sound is coming from the trees, he tells her. Once they're closer, 
he may be able to identify the exact source. Cleo picks up her pace, walking in the direction of the nearest tree. Sure enough, the sound grows louder and louder. Something is ringing, vibrating, creating a mystical melody. She inspects the strange tree. Its bark looks like golden melted wax with swirling markings on the trunk like whirlpools of honey. The sound seems to emanate from inside, but when Cleo moves away, the ringing is just as loud. It must be a kind of auditory illusion. Or maybe each individual tree is producing a sound, and together, they create a kind of symphony. What is it? she asks Puck. He hovers by the nearest trunk, then floats towards the others, drifting from tree to tree and pausing by each one. When he returns, he tells Cleo that the sounds are definitely coming from the trees, but he doesn't know what the exact source is. She can tell from his tone of voice that he's a little frustrated. Usually, Puck can identify just about anything. He always has an answer, or at least an intelligent guess. Perhaps, says Cleo thoughtfully, the sounds are made by invisible insects, like a kind of cicada. Perhaps, says Puck. Cleo tells him not to worry. They'll work it out eventually. And in the meantime, it's nice to have a little mystery. Puck doesn't seem convinced, but he cheers up when Cleo asks him to take some photos and recordings. They can send the information to scientists back home and maybe get an answer. After a while... Cleo barely notices the sound. The ringing seems to fade into a relaxing background hum. Just like cicadas, she thinks. And while these trees aren't exactly beautiful, Cleo finds herself appreciating their peculiar forms. They look like they've been sculpted by an eccentric artisan, Instead of leaves, there are bulbous formations growing out of the crooked branches. The way the trees are scattered randomly across the land, spread far apart from each other, makes Cleo think of cacti. It's like a surrealist desert, where the cacti have been replaced with melting musical coat stands. There's such endless variety in the universe, Cleo thinks, gazing around in wonder. Everywhere she goes, she sees something that astonishes her, something even stranger than her dreams. With infinite space, 
maybe everything that can be imagined exists somewhere in the universe. Everything imagined, everything dreamed, and more besides. Puck hovers impatiently in front of her, his light blinking. Even without words, they understand each other. It's time to walk on and see what other mysteries lie beyond the pink horizon. When they leave the trees behind, the ringing fades. The planet is silent now, apart from the muffled echo of Cleo's footsteps. She walks slowly, as the force of gravity means that moving requires a little more effort. But Cleo doesn't mind being forced to slow down. She's in no rush, after all. Moving at a leisurely pace, she feels completely present and aware of just how unique this place is. It's a privilege to be here. The ground slowly rises, turning into a gentle slope and then a hill. When Cleo eventually reaches the top, she's feeling tired and a little out of breath. There are times when she envies Puck, who floats effortlessly onwards. But the climb was worthwhile. The view from up here is absolutely breathtaking. The pink desert stretches endlessly in front of her, appearing as infinite as the universe itself. And at the bottom of the hill is a vast green lake, its surface resembling veined marble. It can't be water, thinks Cleo, staring in amazement. Curious to get a better look, and hoping that Puck can shed some light on the mystery, she heads down the hill towards the lake. Puck flies ahead of her. By the time Clea reaches the lake, he's already hovering a few feet above the surface, examining the green liquid. Cleo has never seen anything like it. The surface is completely motionless. Just as the trees looked sculpted, this lake also seems artificial. And yet, it's not. Cleo's idea of what's natural, or unnatural, changes with every planet she visits. Puck informs her that the liquid in this lake is perfectly safe. Although it looks unusual, it's essentially a kind of water, only thicker. Swimming in it would probably be like wallowing in a warm mud bath. All the same, Cleo isn't tempted by the idea of a swim. She asks Puck if he's identified any living creatures in the lake. No, he replies confidently, happy to be certain of something. It seems that the planet is uninhabited, 
at least for now. One day, maybe there will be forms of life here. Cleo tries to imagine what the future inhabitants might look like. She pictures prehistoric fish in the lake and small reptiles scuttling through the desert, their scales the same peachy color as the sand. But really, she has no idea. Cleo feels as though the boundaries of her imagination have expanded a little further, and yet, at a certain point, she reaches the limit. It's the sensation she has whenever she visits a planet for the first time. There's always something beyond, something that she can't quite reach. For a moment, she feels almost overwhelmed, her head filled with infinite possibilities. She could use a break, she decides, especially after the long, slow-motion walk through the thick air. Not far from the lake is a large, flat rock. It's a shade of orange-pink, blending in perfectly with the desert sand. And while it's unlikely to make a comfortable bed, it will do for a short rest. Cleo stretches out on the surface of the rock and takes a deep breath of fresh air through her helmet. As she lies still, her heavy limbs become loose and relaxed. The rock has been warmed by the sun and this pleasant heat spreads through Cleo's body. She closes her eyes and soon drifts into a light, dreamless sleep. She's awoken a little while later by Puck's voice. Rise and shine, he says. Cleo sighs sleepily. The warm rock has turned out to be more comfortable than she expected, and she feels so relaxed lying here. She could happily continue her nap for at least a little longer. But Puck insists. Sit up, he tells her. Look at the sky. Cleo groggily lifts herself up, and turns to look. It's as though the whole universe is alive with light. The entire sky is filled with the most incredible sunset, a spectacular display of every shade of red, orange, pink, and purple merging beautifully into each other. Everything seems bigger, brighter, larger than life. Cleo watches, spellbound, as the golden sun sinks into the horizon. But the show is only just beginning. The sky turns darker, the stars reappear, and then... 
the sun returns. Cleo can't tell whether it's the same sun as before or a different one. She can hardly believe her eyes. But before she can find the words to express her astonishment or to ask Puck a question, it's happening again. A second sunset. And then another. And another. Each one more brilliant than the last. It's like watching a never-ending firework display. Radiant sun rays shoot across the sky, creating a shimmering canvas of color. Cleo is hypnotized, unable to tear her gaze from the sky. She doesn't want to miss a single second. As she watches the beginning of yet another sunset, she finally asks Puck the first simple question that comes to mind. Is it real? I see it too, he says. Cleo isn't sure exactly what that means. She'll never know how Puck sees or senses things. It might be a completely different experience for him. Yet in this moment together, transfixed by the endless sunsets, she believes he understands too. It's another beautiful shared experience to be treasured for the rest of her life and the rest of his existence. The sunsets continue, on and on, and Cleo tries to think of a word. This planet needs a name, and she wants it to be perfect. She searches her memory, going through all the languages she knows, waiting for the right name to magically present itself. When it does, it comes from Puck. Fulguria, he suggests. The name is based on a word in one of the universe's most ancient languages. It means splendor or dazzling brightness. Cleo nods. It's the perfect name for this planet. When they get back to the spaceship, she'll send the suggestion to her team back home, along with her notes and recordings. At last, the final sunset ends, dissolving into the darkness. Cleo sighs happily and gets down from the rock. She's ready to go back. The sky is black and empty now, except for the stars. Their soft, silvery light provides just enough visibility, while Puck's glow helps to illuminate the way. Soon they'll be back in the spaceship. 
Cleo tucked up in her pod, and Puck resting in his nook in the wall. It's been a long day on Fulgoria, or perhaps multiple days. Cleo smiles at the thought. Regardless of how much time has passed, she's happy to have spent it here, on the planet of endless sunsets. <laughs>